0: So if you are putting out the right kind of book and making sure you have what I might liken to SEO and keywords in your product description and in those fields for Amazon, you can actually show up and do the equivalent of Google SEO on Amazon and use that as a way to get seen as well. So you can kind of hack Amazon as its own search engine.
1: This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Penn, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals. To go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today we have Nick Rethel. Nick is the creator of the seven hour book, and today he's going to tell us how to get your own professionally published book in just seven hours. Having a book is another marketing tool that real estate investors and professionals can use to establish your authority on a subject. It's also great if they want to venture out of the investing space and into the mentoring space. Nick will tell us how easy it is to get a book written and the steps associated with it. If you enjoy this episode, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Enjoy. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and what do you do?
0: Absolutely. Well, my name is Nick Rathel, and I'm the creator of what's called the 7-Hour Book. And the 7-Hour Book is a system that allows any real estate investor to get their own professionally published book in just seven hours of their time.
1: Yeah, that's super amazing. I've always wanted to write a book on my own, and I had no idea how to even start. So go ahead and tell us, what is it and how does it work?
0: Sure. So the 7-Hour Book is when it gets down to the nuts and bolts of it, it's a process that is composed of seven one-hour sessions over Zoom or Skype or even good old-fashioned phone where we walk the aspiring investor author through a process that gets the book out of their head. And through that process, we're then having enough data and enough information on our side to create the book for them. So they kind of spill their guts, if you will, in a good way, uh, with the book ideas that's been that they've had on their mind for ages in many cases and then we take over with the writing of it we take over with the marketing of it and we take over with everything else involved in getting this book out there to begin producing results tangible results for those people
1: yeah it sounds super exciting so basically it's 7 hours on the on the client side but on your back end you guys are spending however many hours it takes to actually write the book
0: Oh goodness, yes. It's that's a very good distinction. I appreciate you mentioning that, Sean, because on our side, we're spending way more, like you said, than 7 hours. I don't think frankly any book for people doing it of any quality could be done in just 7 hours.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty exciting. So 7 hours of 7 1-hour sessions of you just talking. And are they basically telling like their life story or is it about a certain topic? What kind of books are being written in these 7 hours?
0: we have done if i recall correctly maybe one or two general life story memoir essentially but more specifically it's for people who are looking to produce a definite result in their business and what we've seen recently is a concentration on people in real estate and specifically within real estate real estate investors so to give you some topics and some things that they're doing books on and we're helping them with One instance might be syndicators, multifamily specifically, people who are syndicating capital for multifamily deals. It's a very crowded space right now, and they need some means of standing out from everyone else who is trying to raise capital. So, we'll help them put a book together that educates passive investors on how deals work, what they would do if they were provided with the passive investors' capital. That would be one instance. Another instance might be flippers and wholesalers who are trying to stand out, but are also trying to educate their target seller or other people who they're going to be working with on how the process works. So people who might not have experience with selling their home to someone, how that process works and showing them as well that they're going to be in good hands if they choose to work with this flipper or this wholesaler. Those would be two instances.
1: Yeah. And having a book, you just seem more professional, right? You're like, oh, I, I literally wrote the book on this subject.
0: Yeah, you do. And it's it's what I like to call having the thud factor. And what I mean by the thud factor is literally when you have that physical book out there and you hand it to someone, it literally makes a thud on the table. And that's that's something that a blog post, for better or for worse, or Other forms of content, especially the newer ones, just don't have. They don't literally thud down on a desk making that kind of impression for someone. It really helps you to stand out then.
1: And how big are these books typically?
0: Naturally, it varies. But I would say the sweet spot to have what most people consider a, quote, real book tends to be upwards of 100 pages, usually about maybe 120 to about 170 in that range. So this is not, it's not war and peace, but it's also not hop on pop uh, on the, the sort of side with, you know, the Dr. Seuss book or green eggs and ham. It's not short like that. And certainly in the vocabulary is not on that level either.
1: Right. Okay. So can we go over kind of like an example of what someone would do? Like, let's say I contact you, let's say most of my, most of my listeners are rehabbers or buy and hold investors here in the Bay area. And like you said, they need something to help them stand out. And of course, most of them have Instagram. Most of them do some YouTube and some do blogs. But very few of my realtor friends or very few of my real estate investor friends have a physical product, you know? So if they came to you, what would be, I guess, how would it work? Do you ask them the questions or do they come to you with an idea already with something to write about?
0: Well, we would be, Going through questions, customize a customized question framework to them specifically, but I would caution anyone who did come to us that before we even got into that questions and the framework and working with them, I would be asking them from the get-go, me or whoever on my staff was talking with them, would be asking them from the get-go, why a book specifically? Because it's unfortunately easy to get hooked on the idea of, I want a book, without necessarily thinking through, is a book really the best medium for achieving your goals? I mean, if you are looking to reach people and you happen to be excellent behind the microphone, it might make sense to do kind of like what you're doing, Sean, creating a podcast or creating a YouTube series if you happen to be particularly photogenic and good behind the camera. So I would really caution people to think through all of the available means of getting your message out there and of standing out before you absolutely get laser focused on a book. Am I saying that a book doesn't work? No, absolutely not. Everything I've said totally still is valid here, but I just really want people to understand that it's good to know your goals and let those goals drive which channel and which media you're really going to pursue.
1: So like, who, who would a book be for, ultimately?
0: Well, a book would be for people who understand the power of having that physical thing, having that thud factor, and maybe they would also have a podcast. We certainly have worked with podcasters, helping them to do a book as well. But people who have really reviewed all the forms of media out there understand the benefits and the drawbacks of those other forms of media and have come to the conclusion that a book does make sense in pursuing and achieving their goals.
1: I mean, ultimately, it's more content marketing, right? I think in this day and age, content marketing is like the big play. So syndicators, they have their podcasts, or they go on other people's podcasts, or they have their own video series, they host meetup groups, they host conferences, right? And so a book is like an extra factor to establish that authority and legitimacy.
0: Yeah, I think it is. And going back to having that physical thing, and also the fact that, as you were saying, no one really or very few people really are coming out with books. It is still a frontier that you can compete on where there aren't too many people. It's, it's kind of interesting when you think about it that we look ahead to new frontiers, for example, Instagram. And we look ahead to whatever is going to be coming out of your neck of the woods, Silicon Valley, in the way of apps and new communication platforms. But as we're looking far ahead, it's kind of like the horizons are shifting. So what was once a very well-trod frontier, such as books or a few years back, direct mail, is now being, there's now this exodus away from it. So as we look for the new frontiers, there's now space potentially on those older frontiers, which is where a book, direct mail, even phone prospecting in some cases can be very viable.
1: Yeah, I totally understand that. I mean, like you said, nowadays, anyone can create a blog or they can create a video on YouTube and then blast it to potentially hundreds of millions of people who are on that platform. But if you manage to get yourself in something old like a magazine, like if you can get printed on a magazine paper, that's like a really big deal because not everyone can get it on that small piece of paper.
0: Yeah, and it's, it also, I mean, if nothing else, it's kind of a vanity thing and kind of feels pretty good. I mean, I don't I'm like sure. to trot that out too much because the books we're doing are for business purposes, but it is still kind of cool to see that you're an author or to have that title associated with yourself.
1: Absolutely. And so how many books do people usually get? Like, is it usually just a one and done kind of thing? Or do some people get multiple series written for them? 2%. It
0: does vary, but it's usually usually a one and done at at the initial part. And we don't like, just in fairness to people, to get started too quickly with, oh, we're going to do five books. You know, let's let's keep it basic. Start on square one. Do this first one. See how it turns out. See how you like it. See what results it achieves for you. And then potentially take the next step to doing another one. This isn't, to put it another way, this is not chicken soup for the soul that we're starting from square one and doing this whole grand series.
1: Nice. And then when you finish the book, or sorry, when you after you interview the person, how long does it take to actually finish the book, get it published, and out for distribution?
0: To clarify a little bit on that, we're doing we're creating the book in bits and pieces after each of the sessions. So we've designed for example, one of the calls might be doing the first chapter. And so then after that, my team and I would be working on the back end over set amount of time to get that first chapter ready for them and then we would be posting it to give you a little bit more on our process we would be posting that up so that if they wanted emphasis on wanted to look it over and review it and even in some cases suggest an edit or two they would totally have that right but we're working in between the calls to put it together so there's not this long spell potentially after the calls are done, where they're waiting and they're looking at their watch, you know, how's it coming? When's my book going to be here? The process is ongoing throughout that.
1: So so if I started today, how long do you think it would take until the book is actually in my hands physically?
0: Mm, That's a really good question. We find that it depends on the frequency of scheduling the calls. Because interestingly, a lot of the people we're working with have crazy schedules And being able to schedule seven one-hour calls with them sounds relatively easy on paper. And we hear a lot, oh, I can make time for it. But the realities, and this is no discredit to them, the realities are that even when you can make time for what's important, life happens. So calls get spaced out and longer. I would say in some cases, it, it can take four months, six months, potentially even longer, just as life is happening to people, as their business, frankly, is also placing demands on them. That would be a good ballpark.
1: Yeah. Well, let's imagine someone who is relatively open and they don't have those crazy time constraints. I'm pretty sure you don't do it like every day. right? It would be spaced out between maybe two weeks for every call. So maybe two months for the final calls.
0: I would really have to know a little bit more about their particular situation but what you're describing, depending on the person and depending on the goals for the book might be viable. But again, I would need to really address and talk with them first.
1: So ultimately, probably within four months, you can have a physical book in your hands if you started today.
0: If you started today and if we found that it made sense for your particular situation. Because one thing I want to emphasize, we don't rush into these. It, out of total fairness for the person. And in an effort to really ensure it's a fit for them and a fit for us, we don't rush. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, I'll give you an analogy for it. If you've watched any of the Olympic running events, or if your listeners have watched them and are familiar with it, when you look at the very start, the guys, I'm going to throw out an old reference, but Michael Johnson back in the day with his running or Usain Bolt today, at the very start before the race, they don't rush up to the blocks. You see them walking around, stretching out their legs, making sure they feel good. But once they get behind those blocks and that gun goes off, they're gone in 60 seconds, so to speak. So that's kind of how we like to treat this. When we're approaching a project, we're like that track star, talking with the person, stretching out, making sure it's comfortable. But once we're dead certain and they're dead certain that this is a fit, then it's like that gun goes off and we leap into action and get the process going. So
1: after the book is done and it's physically out there in the world, what are you guys doing on the marketing side to distribute it?
0: Well, we help the person first off to get a publisher, or get a printer. We are not in ourselves churning out the actual copies. So we help them to find a printer that makes sense for them. But to your point about marketing, one of the easiest places to start that we help people with is getting reviews and testimonials because we found that having that social proof through testimonials through reviews makes a major difference in their books acceptance and also getting people to look through it who might not otherwise Uh, in particular with reviews and testimonials amazon i mean nearly any book that's again a quote real book these days is going to be on amazon for the visibility and I'll give you, you and your listeners actually a tip on this that you might not have thought of. It's the fact that Amazon is, considering its size and considering its clout online, essentially a search engine. So if you are putting out the right kind of book and making sure you have what I might liken to SEO and keywords in your product description and in those fields for Amazon, you can actually show up and do the equivalent of Google SEO on Amazon and use that as a way to get seen as well. So you can kind of hack Amazon as its own search engine, which I think hopefully that adds uh, some value to your listeners.
1: So I used to sell selfie sticks back in the day and I know how Amazon FBA kind of works. So I know and I appreciate the fact that you can put in those keywords into your title to get it searched a little bit easier.
0: Another thing too with that, by the way, beyond just Amazon, iTunes as well. iTunes and i The thing is with Amazon, with iTunes, and with other platforms, I like to call them secret search engines in that we all think of Google as the primary search engine. But there are all of these other platforms that don't necessarily have nearly as much depth as Google, but are still very large audiences of people. YouTube, I guess YouTube being part of Google, but not the the main search engine. But yeah, these secret search engines can definitely be useful. And I hope that people in thinking about marketing also keep these secret search engines, Amazon, iTunes, other ones in mind to potentially get some leads and some traffic from them.
1: Nice. So what are you doing to get those Amazon reviews, especially from people who haven't even read the book in the first place?
0: Sure, one of the things that is pretty common is when a book first comes out to have it be, have a free period where you can get the book absolutely free that helps of course giving it to friends and colleagues uh handing it out if this person is doing speaking events even going to a RIA meeting that can be really good when your book first comes out um also looking for various people who have aligned interests that might then be able to you might be able to piggyback off them oh you know what another one that we really like when it makes sense is to bake in sponsors and promoters to the book What I mean by baking them in, we're talking in a figurative context here. But if you, for example, have contacts at a title company and that title company has a very large database of people and it makes sense, emphasis on that it makes sense, you might bake in, so to speak, that title company into your book by putting them at the end as a recommended resource if they need a title company. So the reason you would do that is that you're paying it forward to the title company by putting them in your book. And they then have an interest, really, in getting the book out there and giving it to their audience and even getting reviews for you if you need them because they're in that book and it makes them look good. And it gives them publicity.
1: Mm, that's a really good tip. Just have more of your vendors helping or helping them by putting them in your book and so they'll promote it on your behalf. I love that.
0: You can build your book, as the expression goes, on the shoulders of giants. And those giants, in this case, being partners in other companies.
1: So, like you were saying before, I understand where a book can make sense for a syndicator, uh, but where is it coming into play if you are kind of like a buy and hold investor, or if you are uh, like a flipper or rehabber? How how would a, a physical book help you out in that case?
0: Uh, that, that's also a good question. I think in those cases, it would come down to two two areas that we can talk about. The first being if you're looking To move beyond just being a flipper or a wholesaler and get into the educational space. A book there can be huge in terms of establishing that you've got something to talk about and also helping you to get into coaching or mentoring if you want to do that. If you've had success flipping properties or you've had success wholesaling and you now want to, you've had enough success you feel that you now want to be mentoring students. So a book gets you out there, shows these students, look, I know enough. I've done enough. Here's what I've done that now I can serve credibly as your mentor or as your teacher. That would be one side of it if you want to go into the educational or the mentoring space. The other side is to use it in the same way that we've actually helped realtors and people in the real estate space do, which is where you're educating your target client and the people you're interacting with. So in the case of a realtor, with them, they need to educate home buyers and sellers on what it's like working with them, things to look for, ways to improve the value of your house, how the overall home buying or home selling process works. And when you're, on, when you're in real estate investing, beyond just being a realtor, when you're actually an investor and a buy and hold person, you can do the same thing to your motivated sellers or to the people who are coming to you. You can put out a book or another content piece that helps to educate them on what it's like working with you, what the process is, and even the benefits. I mean, beyond just the cash, there are certainly going to be other benefits to working with you, opportunities and things like that. You can educate them through the content too.
1: I know two people in particular had the exact same scenario. So Dave Lindall, he has um, his coaching program for multifamily syndications, and it's really big. And he wrote four amazing books that are kind of like the, the thing that everyone who is getting into multifamily syndications reads. And the other one is Gary Keller, who has, you know, he started Keller Williams, huge realty brokerage. Yeah, they wrote some amazing books. So just by having that authority, boom, their fame and their, their expansion is huge.
0: Yeah. I mean, Dave, you're totally right with Dave Lindahl, that multifamily millions. I mean, as you all know, it's kind of a classic in our industry. That and some of the other books he's done. And the one thing, I mean, Jay and uh, Jay Papasan and Gary Keller, that's really transformed, I think, real estate as well.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So can we do like a quick example? Like imagine I'm your client, I'm brand new. What are some of the initial conversations that we're going to have before we start diving deep into the content?
0: Sure. Well, The very first conversation would come back to what we were talking earlier about your why, knowing your why, to paraphrase uh, our friend Simon Sinek, and knowing your why, knowing whether a book really is the best form of media for you. And then from there, once we began to get clear on the goals and the fact that this was a viable and the most viable at this time means of communicating your message, then from there, we'd begin looking at what you specifically wanted to say. So just because you do want a book, what are you what are you going to say? What is going to be the content for the book? And then how is it also, in some instances, going to incorporate your personal story? Or if you don't want to talk anything about your personal story, how's the book then going to be structured? Which can totally be done. And we f- do find that there are some people who don't really want to tell their backstory and want to just put real estate investing and the concepts front and center. We actually had a multifamily guy who's exactly like that.
1: Do you feel like one version is better than another? Like, is it better to add some personal stories to it or is it better to be just straight content based?
0: It depends. I will say my own personal opinion, just knowing a little bit about sales and marketing beyond what we've seen with our clients, it comes back to that idea that stories sell. So you definitely, I would say, don't want to make it a textbook. People really don't read textbooks unless, I mean, unless they have to right? In university, they tend to gravitate much more towards stories.
1: Yeah. And they won't remember your stuff too.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it comes back to, that's a really good point about they won't remember you. You look at coaching, for example, if a coach just gives a person pure concepts and there's no human touch, there's no bonding, there's no, how was your weekend? The coach is first going to be out of material pretty quickly, but then beyond that, even if, they, even if they provide the person with complete value, there's not going to be a connection. And in many instances, without that connection, the person is not going to remember the content as much, and they're not necessarily going to apply it just because they feel like they're just with a textbook. And why would they even pay for coaching, right? if they can get the same information without any cost on Google.
1: Yeah. And they're going to be coaching a sleeping session. Everyone's going to be taking a fat nap.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's a very good point, especially given how sleep deprived a lot of these people are going to be, right? Going into coaching.
1: Exactly. So imagine someone comes up to you, they really want to book for whatever thing they have, whether they want to get into coaching or whether they're, they're trying to like help homeowners sell their home to them or as an agent. Right. But what if they don't know, What to say. Like, they don't have good ideas. Do you guys help them with that?
0: We do. And I'm glad you mentioned that because there's a major fallacy of people thinking that they need a startlingly new idea for a book or they need to have that perfect idea. We find in so many instances people get hung up on the perfect idea. And unfortunately, the perfect idea has already been taken. And that's kind of a a joking way to say that there really is no perfect idea. The perfect idea is whatever you think is going to work the best for you. So I would really encourage you and your listeners, don't get hung up on thinking you need the perfect idea. And also, to use a rather tired cliche, but it's true, don't reinvent the wheel. You don't have to reinvent the wheel with books. You can look at established structures established frameworks and base it off of that and i will actually to keep this from being too general i'll actually give you and your listeners right now a framework that can work well the idea of being the seen it all the industry veteran if you've been around for 10 years 20 years and you've done deal upon deal upon deal you could craft your book around i've seen it all here are the common Deals, the common things I've seen. So, looking at it from the veteran's perspective. Conversely, if you're coming fresh out the gate, the angle you could take would be the person who lends his expertise and his authority out to his clients. So, if you have clients and you're coming fresh out the gate, but you've worked with some people, you could let your clients be the drivers of the book. So, you essentially have a results book showing the results you provided for people. Another common angle, and in that instance too, with the clients, your clients can essentially be giving you the content for the book. So it shortcuts your process. You don't have to write as much. Uh, another one that's popular is the, I'm sick of it all. I'm sick of the lies. I have seen this in quite a few cases. People who are mad, pissed off at all the lies that are out there. And they're, set, they're writing this book to set the record straight about real estate investing or to set the record straight about what it actually takes to create passive income. That would be one. And then there are of course other tried and true formulas out there that you could base your book off. But, but those are just three that come to mind right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's so true. First of all, like like you said that you don't need to reinvent the wheel because I know a lot of these like success type books, they're pretty much saying the exact same thing over and over and over again, but just with a little bit of different flavor. So, and plus every time you read a book, you probably only memorize 1% of it. So if you're at 100 books, now you get the concept
0: 100%. It is. And I like what you said about the flavor of it, because that's a that's a really good point in that when you, different flavors register for different people, it's like the combination to a vault. You know, you turn the right combination for the right person and it opens up the vault, so to speak. And with the flavor of a book, you're right. If it even if it is the same message or the same content people have different taste buds right so one one person's the way barbecue sauce for example of a certain type tastes to one person it's gonna have a different flavor to someone else registered differently with them
1: so I guess the the, the main thing is even if they think they, they they don't have an idea it's a matter of just maybe talking to your team and your team can ask them some questions that might bring up some ideas like oh yeah I Didn't realize I knew this thing, and they can start pouring their heart out about that one certain topic.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very fair statement. And with that, I would as well encourage people, whether they would be working with us or doing it themselves, don't be afraid to dig deep into your backstory and to also give yourself more credit. We find that a lot of people really don't give themselves enough credit in terms of being experts or of even having material they could use. And I think that one of the things that comes along with this is the idea of the imposter syndrome. This idea, who am I to write a book or who am I to become a coach? I don't have enough experience. I haven't been in the game long enough. And if people, particularly our listeners, will just think a little bit about their background, they'll probably find that they have some interesting stuff that they can pull out for a book or for a content piece or for a podcast or other media. I mean, things that they may take for granted, other people would be electrified by, or their own story of growing up the way they were raised, or the people who are important to them, other people might form a tremendous connection with. So really look in your background for the buried treasure, if you will, that you're sitting on. And to use another well-worn metaphor, the idea of acres of diamonds, this idea that what's in your backyard, so to speak you have these acres of diamonds, but because you're familiar and you're walking around in this analogy in the backyard, you just kind of take it for granted when you have true treasure back there that you can mine and that can produce some, some incredible results for you.
1: Right. I mean, I feel very much the same way. Like I'm relatively new in the space. I don't feel like I know a lot. I don't think it's appropriate for me to write a book because honestly, I have nothing to sell at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure I've gone through some stuff that I could write a book about. It'd be mean, pretty interesting. And maybe it would help somebody in the future. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I like what you said too, just now about helping someone in the future. That your book, we're talking about this in a marketing context, but I think the best books go one step beyond just marketing and really do add that value. I mean, you mentioned Gary Keller and his books, him and Jay Papasan. The one thing, does it get their name out there? Does it help them with marketing? Absolutely. But at the same time, and in a major way, A book like The One Thing, or a book going even further back like The Millionaire Real Estate Investor, Mm -hmm. pays it forward and helps people in a fundamental way, and that's really why we remember those books today.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Before we started the show today, you also mentioned that having a book can be a great, uh, a great form of self defense. Do you want to go into that a bit more and explain what you're talking about?
0: I'm happy to. Yeah, and for our listeners, just to be clear, self defense—we're not talking literally about Having weapons or you know any, any kind of actual like literal self defense if you're walking down the street in Oakland you know at, I don't know two in the morning nothing like that but
1: well you could actually if they stab you and you have your book in your backpack then boom self defense <laughs> right there
0: <laughs> no you, you're right on that but we're talking cases other than other than that um, what I meant by self defense in a figurative emphasis on figurative context is that let's say for example you're looking to raise capital. So you go to a RIA meeting, you meet a lot of really cool people there who are interested, and they say, this is really cool, let's schedule a meeting. Now, in many instances, you don't really know this person, and so you go on a meeting with them, and unfortunately, something could come up, or they could end up being, for lack of a better term, a flake, So you're sitting at Starbucks, you've made time, you've gotten away from your job, maybe this is your lunch break, and you're sitting there looking at your watch nervously. Is this person going to come? Are they flaking on me? What's going on here? So the book comes in as a form of self-defense, so to speak, because you can meet that person at the RIA meeting and they say, hey, we should get together for coffee. You're like, great. I'm absolutely for that. Before that, though, here's my book. Give this a read. So you're understanding where I'm coming from, you're understanding more about me. And once you're done, we can do a coffee meeting or we can do lunch to talk it over. And the people then who are consuming that content, not only do they know if you are indeed a fit for them, but they're gonna be much more enthusiastic about talking with you and they're gonna know how you work. So the point of the self-defense part is that it defends you against having your time wasted, and it defends you against being yanked around by people who either aren't serious, or they may have good intentions. But you and them will only realize later on after time has been wasted, that this really just isn't going anywhere.
1: That's true. Uh, I had a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he actually sent me his like memoir before we even started talking. So I read it, and it was an amazing story. So when we actually talked, I was like, dude, I feel like I know you so well already because I read your book. And he's like, "Ah, yeah, it's so interesting, right? Yeah. So it's cool. It's cool to be able to have that.
0: Yeah, it really helps to shortcut the the knowledge acquisition process might be a good way to think of it.
1: Right, it's like ice breaking before you need to even meet them in person. So it's great. So you're also saying that there's a time management component to this as well. Do you want to elaborate more on that?
0: Sure, the time management component comes from the fact that these are seven one-hour sessions. In thinking about that, I'm also very big into time management and strategies for getting more done. So if it makes sense right now, I'm happy to share some strategies for time management with you and your listeners. Yeah, sure. Sure. One of the things that I would really recommend if you're looking to get more done, particularly if you're in the buy and hold category and you're balancing a job, for example, with this, or you're trying to get into multifamily, but you're also doing that while pulling down 40 and let's be real here, 60 hours, 70 hours per week at your job. You don't have nearly as much time. One of the best things I can recommend there for managing your time and for even ensuring you have more time to work at your venture and to work at building that passive income you need to quit the so-called rat race would be to get started and measure the amount of time in activities you do on a recurring basis. So have a timer if you have to, or an app on your phone, and look at that and know, okay, usually when I sit down here to work on a mailing campaign, I usually spend, depending on the stage that I'm at in creating that campaign, 30 minutes on this task. So really looking at it from the amounts of time, know as well how much time you're spending on Recurring daily activities even. So if you usually, it takes you, let's say you're cooking dinner. If you usually spend an hour for dinner, if that's usually how long it takes, cooking it, getting everything prepared for you, your kids, your family. It's good to have a sense of that time so that then you can plan long term how much time that's going to take and how much time you'll have available to then retire to your office or to your study room and work on real estate investing. So you can plan
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so outsource the tasks that are not as important to your daily life, essentially, as you're saying, right?
0: Well, you outsourcing is a great way, but also just having that knowledge of how much time things are taking you. Because far too often, people say, I don't have time, but they don't know how much time they do have, or they don't know how much time they are spending on things that may not be moving them toward their goals. So having that self-knowledge, beginning with how much time you're spending.
1: It's so interesting. How did you even get into this business where you're writing books for other
0: people? Well, coming into it from a content marketing background, but with respect to the books specifically, always being interested in books, always being interested in reading, and realizing that a book can be more than just an enjoyable afternoon curled up with a book somewhere reading it. Understanding that a book can drive actual benefits in a business and produce real-world results beyond just making someone laugh if it's a good if it's a well-written book or making someone cry in some cases if it's a sad story or be afraid if someone's reading for example a Stephen King book a book can do so much more than just hit them on that emotional level it can actually be a gateway for someone to begin coaching or it can be a gateway even as we're talking here for someone to stand out enough to raise capital understanding the book and drive real world results like that is really pretty inspirational and led me in that direction
1: cool and how long have you been doing it for
0: goodness i would say that is a great question i would i would say long enough to get gray hairs that's uh, from all the people we've worked with and the uh just the the stresses good stresses on our side of uh, putting these together
1: cool and what's typical price range when it comes to you know creating a book
0: that's really going to depend person to person what i can tell people is that in most cases first off we're nowhere near the uh, the investment of these politicians for example like our president our current president right now or obama or anyone like that who's putting together their book nowhere near whatever they're paying their uh, their book writers um we're i would say in most cases the projects we're doing well within 10 grand US, well under that. And in most cases, it can be substantially less. Just again, it's going to depend on the person who we're working with.
1: And what are some actionable tips that our listeners can use today they want to get started?
0: Well, first off, I sound like a broken record here, but think about why you want a book. That would be one. Uh, Think about what you're trying to achieve. Think as well, do that Deep dive that soul searching into your background, your backstory, thinking really about what makes you unique. Also, with that, I would say to think about what stories you tend to tell your friends a lot. I mean, if you're talking with people, your friends out at a gathering, or you're even going to a RIA meeting, and you find yourself talking about particular things over and over again, that would be one. Also, think about If, depending on your business, what you spend the most time repeatedly telling prospects, what they have the most questions about, that alone could provide the material for your book. An example would be if you repeatedly get asked, okay, once we're into the investment, let's talk about multifamily. Once we invest with you, then what happens? Or what are my voting rights? Or how is this all structured? What are the fees? If you get asked about that repeatedly, and in most cases with multifamily, you probably do, those can form the basis for the book where you might have a chapter saying, okay, these are the types of structures for the fees. And within that, I usually structure my deals with this, or this is what you should be looking for. Another thing to throw something out there for the people who are doing the wholesale deals, some of the content you might be putting in there might be how it works. Like, okay, I give you my house, then what? Or I say, I accept your the blind offer you sent out to me, then what? So that could be forming some of your content too, how your process works.
1: And so what are some of the things that we don't know that we probably should?
0: With respect to content, every little bit helps having something out there. Uh, another thing I would say that might come as a surprise to some of your listeners would be the fact that Amazon and being a, quote, bestseller, best-selling author, really can be deceptive when you see that. And you're probably familiar with this, Sean, from the fact that you've been an Amazon seller, you were saying, is the fact that Amazon has categories within categories within categories within categories. Within categories and I could probably keep saying categories within categories for another 10 minutes and not do justice to it all. But the point is that the deeper you go within a category the less there's going to be a book there or the less there's going to be any product there. So if you, for example, dig deep within a category and there are only three other books there or two other books and you have the best reviewed one or just the one that people have bought the most, that makes you a quote, bestseller, even though this is an ultra deep category. So people, who are listening should just understand that this label of the bestseller can be deceptive at times. And also, when it's in cases like the New York Times, no discredit by any means to those authors. But in your case, you really don't need to have a New York Times bestseller or to be on any of these huge national lists. Is it going to hurt if you want to go on Oprah? Probably not. But in most of our cases, we don't need to go on Oprah. We don't need to have our book read by hundreds of thousands of people all across the nation. We just need it to work and to produce a specific result in our market with a handful of people who are really going to move the needle in our business. So understanding that I think is really important as people are thinking about books or other content too.
1: Yep. I mean, it looks cool though. Oh, best-selling author on Amazon, right? And I mean, I know some people, they compile a book with like seven or 10 authors all in one, and then that book gets rated really high. And then they also say, I'm a best-selling author on Amazon too.
0: Yeah, there are certainly a lot of books out there. And the point again, as I keep saying with this, is not to discredit those people. They've got their hustle. They've got their side hustle, as they say these days, and it definitely works and it can work for them and more power to them when it does. But I think it's important to be aware of these things as you're thinking about all of the options there and determining which really is going to make the most sense for you.
1: Mm-hmm. So do you have any last tips before we end the show today?
0: Yeah, I, I think that measuring the amount of time you're spending on things is important. I also want to throw something totally out of left field. It's probably going to hit a lot of your listeners as, but uh, stay hydrated. And I'd say that because you probably are familiar with some of this too, being in the Bay Area, there's all kinds of tropics out there there's brain drugs health supplements and a lot of us as entrepreneurs as business owners are looking for ways to get more done or to stay awake longer and have all these hacks and one of the things that unfortunately i think a lot of people forget about is staying hydrated and the role that proper hydration just something as simple as drinking enough water can have in terms of staying awake uh you don't necessarily need to be popping a supplement you might actually be better off walking over to your tap, turning it and uh, pouring yourself a glass of water or even a liter and a half and using that to kind of stay awake for longer hours. And you also just feel better. So I want to put that out there because I think it's unfortunately overlooked by a lot of people. Just drink more water.
1: That's pretty hilarious. Uh, I drink a lot of water. I've heard it's like the fountain of youth. So you just drink more water, you look young forever. So how can people get in contact with you?
0: The best way would be through our website. And it's contentcore.net. You spell that C-O-N-T-E-N-T-C-O-R-P-S dot N-E-T, contentcore.net.
1: Well, Nick, thank you again so much for your time and explaining how to create a book in seven hours. It's an amazing product for anyone out there who is looking to expand their thought leadership platform and have that, you know, quote, thud factor in their lives.
0: Thank you very much for having me on Sean. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward as well as I hope your listeners do to really seeing where you take this podcast in the future and staying tuned.
1: All right. Thank you. Here are some of the key takeaways from this episode. A book is a very useful tool for establishing your credibility. It's not cost prohibitive. And with Nick's system, you can get your point across and written for you with just seven hours of your time. If you're interested in learning more about his services, feel free to reach out and contact him and let me know when your book is published. Hope y'all learned a lot. You can find the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.